Good morning. Oh, now, I think we can do better than that. It is a good morning, amen? Good morning, church. Are you ready to worship the Lord this morning? We're going to share with you a couple songs that we uh, led with the youth this weekend that they should know really well, and uh, we're going to teach them to you as well. Um, I know that it might be a new song for you, but did you know that the Bible tells us that we should sing a new song unto the Lord this morning, that he is deserving of that? So if you're willing to give it a shot, would you just raise your hand? Amen. He's worthy. Amen. We're going to do something that you know as well, but we're excited to worship the Lord this morning. So if you would, let's just pray together and let's just invite the Lord in this place that we might be able to bless him with our worship this morning. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the opportunity that we are even in this building right now to sing your praises for you are so deserving and so worthy. God, that your son came and died for us, that we might have eternal life with you. God, this morning, while we thank you for salvation, God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We are so undeserving. God, but I ask that you hear our hearts this morning as we give you our best. Let's sing together. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Let's sing that again together. Let's sing that first verse. Here we go. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved, let's sing it. For God so loved the world. His one and only Son to save us Whoever believes in Him Will live forever Bring all your failures Bring your addictions Come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting there With open arms See is open up for God so love the world that He gave us, His one and only Son to save us. Whoever believes in Him will live forever. The power of hell, the power of hell, forever defeated. Now it is well, I'm walking in freedom. God so loved, God so loved the world. Sing praise God, church. Praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, for the wonders of His love. Let's sing it again. 
Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Can we give him a hand clap of praise this morning? For he loved the world so much that he gave his son to die. Man, he's so worthy of that. Let's sing another song this morning called Great Things. He's done great things for us. worship our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. Yes, He has. He has done great things. Of him, you conquer the grave, you free every captive, you break every chain. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great Let's get those hands together this morning. Faithful every yeah. storm. Lord, you'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. Oh, Lord, your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. Oh, Tell this morning. God, you do great Of heaven, you conquer the grave, you free every cup, you break every chain, oh God, you have the great We dance in your freedom, awake and alive, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have the Come on, we need your help this morning. Let's get those hands together. Come on. You're going to be our drums this morning, the rhythm section, amen. 
Let's sing this praise together. Let's tell him hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, God, above yeah. it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Oh, we sing it out today. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Church, I just want to tell you this morning, you sound so good singing to the Lord. I just wish you could hear what I hear. And it's just a beautiful sound when we can come in one mind and one accord and in one voice sing praises to the Lord. Amen. It's such a beautiful thing. And the reason that we do that is what this next song is going to talk about. I think that you'll probably recognize it. And... I just hope that we can just let our minds consider what the Lord has done for us. And you know that the early church, they would meet every Sunday morning or every week to celebrate the risen Savior. That's why we come once a week, amen? And so this morning, we're going to celebrate the risen Savior. And let's just, as the students, I told them this weekend, let's just cast our mind to those thoughts and let our hearts be stirred by the Holy Spirit and that these words would be a true adoration of Him. Amen. Can we do that this morning? Let's sing together. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursed tree his body bowed and drenched in tears the lady down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance by heavy stone, Messiah still and all Forevermore, for endless 
Kneeling on the third at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven, He rose again, oh, trampled death, where Church, 
Everything we've got, then sees my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art! How great thou art! Somebody lift him up in this place this morning. Can we give him a hand clap of praise? He is so great. He is so great. He's so great. I just want to pray for us this morning. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to just look across this room and see praise and worship of your holy name. I'm so thankful, God. This morning as we hear another song and we hear your word preached, God, that our hearts will be prepared to accept it, to receive it. And most importantly, God, that you would change parts of us to be more like you. God, we ask these things in your holy, holy name. Amen. You may be seated. I throw up my hands, praise you 
to be in there with us on Wednesday night. This is Josh Trimble. He leads worship for our students and for our college ministers. It is a blessing. Yeah, amen. <clears throat> it is a blessing to get to have him with us every every week. And Adam, Jack, how y'all did incredible all, all weekend. Thank y'all. Church, we know this is a little bit different than I think most of the now weekends. Normally we go off and we come back and you get a chance to just see the excitement and kind of get a chance to hear what, what God has done. But th- this, this year we want to do something uh, a little bit different to, to an extent. We wanted to kind of pull the curtain back 
and let the whole church be a part of D now with us. Um, that this isn't just our student ministry. This is our church's ministry. Everyone in here plays a part in what goes on at D now. Whether you gave money to help scholarship students, whether you drove, we, we had several parents and I had community group members that were there at 745 this morning, were there Friday night driving us all to our camp and thank you all for that. But D now is not just a, a retreat for our students. All of us play a part in this. Every single one of us. For two and a half months on, on Monday mornings, Monday, I guess it's lunchtime, it's not mornings. At lunchtime, there have been people in here praying for this weekend. Oftentimes I say, what hinders, I think, sometimes God moving is we don't spend time talking to God about it. We don't, we don't spend time in prayer. And for I know for two and a half months, we've had adults in this church praying for this weekend. And I want to say thank you all for that. It has been an incredible weekend. We, we, we shared Wednesday night with our students. I kind of did a small devotional with our parents meeting. I, I said, let's, let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And we all know that. We all know the story. Jesus goes there. He pulls his three aside. And they've just had the upper room experience. He's like, guys, I want you all to come pray with me. My, my heart is troubled. I'm sorrowful. Just pray. And they get to the garden. And what happens while Jesus is praying? His disciples are asleep. Jesus comes back to him. It's like, Peter, you, you couldn't stay up one hour. One hour you couldn't stay awake. Join me in prayer. And he, he, they get there and they start praying. Jesus walks off a little bit more, falls down and is praying to God, not your will, but my will. And he comes back and what are his disciples doing? They're sound asleep. Jesus prays to the Father again. And I told our students, Everything Jesus had just done with them for three years. He just instituted the Lord's Supper. He told them that he was going to die. He just washed their feet and he pulls his three away to get away and speak to the Father. I said, one, if Jesus needs to spend time with God, so do we. But I said, number two, they pulled away to spend time with God. Jesus with them and the disciples completely missed that moment. I told my students, my prayer for you this weekend as we head to D now is don't miss this time with God. It would be a complete waste for us to go out here just to have fun. We're going away because we want to draw closer to God. We want to draw closer to the Father. And I think we did that. I think we drew closer to the Father. It was an insane blessing. God blessed us with getting to take 49 students to D now this year, which was amazing. And in so many ways, <clears throat> he gave us incredible small group leaders. Small group leaders, if y'all want to raise your hands, there we go. Our small group leaders here, they took their time away from their family. They came, and as we broke off from our sermons, they pulled away with the students and poured into them. Talked about the sermons, talked about life, and got to love on them. Thank y'all for, for giving up y'all's time to come and do that this weekend. But man, the... the the games, the fun, we did color wars. We did an egg toss that was quite amazing to see the distance that students were able to throw eggs without them cracking. I remember doing that in elementary school, and we didn't get anywhere near as far back. You know, I mean, we were almost here to the back of the worship center, eggs being caught. Like, it was amazing. But the heart of disciple now is to pull away and draw closer to God. 
and Austin, he'll come up here in just a moment and, and preach and kind of close off our weekend with session four with us. But man, he has done a tremendous job of painting a picture of God, painting a picture of our broken image because of sin. But yet through Christ, he restores us. He completely makes us whole. He doesn't give us some spare parts and say, here, you're fixed. He makes us a new creation, a new creation with a purpose to worship him. And last night we had an amazing time of just worship through song. I have no clue what happened. Speakers started popping and all these kinds of things, and we started plugging, and we just drew in closer and worshiped God. But Austin last night, when, when he got up to share God's word, he, he, he talked about there's a huge difference when it comes to a religion or having a relationship. A religion is just a list of do's and don'ts. We do this because that's what makes you a right person. A relationship changes you. And that's something we want everyone to understand. So we want everyone to have that relationship with God, to, to know that he died for you, that he finished the work. That was the theme for this weekend. To Talistai, it is finished. Christ has done everything possible for you to be saved. He finished the work. He defeated sin and death to make a relationship with us, to reconcile us to God the Father. But it is such a blessing this morning. Austin Mason and his wife Chloe are here with us. Austin and I played golf together in high school, grew up together. And the amount of hours that we spent on a golf course would be extremely embarrassing to, to say. It, it was a lot. Spent more time with probably Austin growing up 8th through 12th grade than any other person just because of the amount of time we spent on the golf course together. But my senior year, his junior year of high school, God saved us. I was February, Austin got saved in March. And it, it's fun to think back of all the fun memories we have on the golf course but none of that stuff really matters. You know, in the big scheme of things, getting to do ministry together is a blessing. So it is a blessing. Austin is youth pastor at Thomasville Baptist Church. And Brother Austin, if you want to come up and bring the word with us tonight, this morning. Good morning, church. I appreciate that introduction, Matthew. We're going to actually talk about a golf tournament I played in a little later. The sermon, but not right now, not yet. I am, uh, my name is Austin Mason. I am the youth pastor at Thomasville Baptist Church. Uh, me and my wife, Chloe, she's on the front row here. We have one daughter. Her name is uh, Ella Grace, and she is not here with us this weekend. She is with my mother, who she calls her Yaya, and uh, that's because every time she asks my mother to buy her something, she says, Yaya, yes, we'll buy whatever you want her to buy. So, uh, you want that? New toy? Of course you can have that. You want Walmart? Of course you can have Walmart. It doesn't, you know, you want ice cream for breakfast? Let's have ice cream for breakfast, right? Whatever you want to do. And so, uh, but we're excited to get to see her again today. And so I'm sure she's had a good time with her. Yeah, yeah. But um, I grew up in Thomasville, as Matthew said, uh, basically born and, and raised there. Um, and then I graduated high school by the grace of God. It's just no joke. Uh, I went to University of South Alabama, go Jags, and uh, graduated from there by the grace of God. Got married in 2016 to my beautiful wife, went to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and graduated with my Master's of Divinity in December of 2019 
by the grace of God. That's right. <laughs> you guys, you're catching on here that, that God has really done a, done a great work in my life for me to graduate from three places, much less one, right? <laughs> so, uh, but it's an honor to be here. I served uh, for three years in Picking, Mississippi at a church called Roseland Park Baptist Church. Uh, God did a great work there, and he moved in some mighty ways. And then uh, this past August, uh, my home church, Thomasville Baptist Church, which I'll talk a little bit about later on, uh, called me back to be their youth pastor. And it's been an honor to serve there and to uh, serve a church that, uh, quite honestly, completely changed my life, uh, to be really and truly honest with you this morning. Um, Matthew, man, I just want you to know it's an honor to be your speaker for this day now. It's an honor to, to stand in this pulpit. Uh, me and Chloe attended uh, the college ministry here back in college ministry off and on, uh, I believe, when Brother David was, was running the college ministry. And, and I'm just thankful for the impact that, that Brother David uh, has had on my life. He spoke at a couple of D-Nows, and, and we've talked off and on throughout the years. And, and uh, I still tell people about David and just the impact that, that his teaching of the Word of God has had on my life. And then, man, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, man, I am extremely um, thankful for the impact Matthew has had on my life. Uh, he's one of the few people I can actually say in high school uh, that uh, there was about three or, people, three or four people, and Matthew's one of them, that if it's not for them pointing me to Jesus, I am not standing in this pulpit today. And so, man, I still uh, look up to Matthew in the faith. I still consider him somebody uh, that I should model myself after as far as being a Christian, and he pointed me uh, to Jesus who changed my life, but he also pointed me to a church uh, that would change my life. Our weekend's uh, theme was, It is finished. Uh, it is finished, indicating that Jesus' work on the cross is finished. The, Jesus had completed what the Father sent him to do. Friday night, we discussed that for work, uh, just to kind of give you a glimpse of the weekend. I'm going to go quickly through what we talked about this weekend, uh, at least with me. Uh, for a work to be finished, it first has to be started. You know, if you want to finish a glass of water, you first got to pour a glass of water, so on and so forth. And, and, and Jesus had to come and finish the work because he himself fit, started the work. Creation account where God creates the world and he created man, specifically Adam and Eve in his image. And then we see in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent steps in and deceives Adam and Eve. They eat of the fruit and sin enters the world, therefore breaking the good image in which we were made. God created this good creation. That's where the work started. We messed it up, and Jesus came to finish it on the cross for us. Right? And then Saturday morning we talked about how Jesus is the one that restores that image. He doesn't, like Matthew said, he's not looking to give us replacement parts. He's not looking to, to just fix this area of your life or, or just fine-tune this. He's looking to give you a new heart and a new life. You're a new creation. You're born again in him. He restores the image in which we have broken. And then last night we talked about life in victory. We said two things. Life in victory, number one, is not lived alone. Our Savior, Jesus, is an advocate in 1 John chapter 2. That means he's called to walk alongside us. And then a life in victory is also strives to follow a Savior. It's not about religion. It's not about being good enough. It's not about do's and don'ts and a checklist. It's about existing and walking in and living with our risen Savior. 
This morning, church, what I want us to see is that Christ's work is finished, but ours is not. Christ's work is finished. If we're still breathing this morning, ours isn't. If we're still breathing this morning, Christ still has a purpose for us. He still has a reason that we're still here. And we're going to see that in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through chapter 4, verse 1. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Not that I already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Jesus, Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold what true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many whom have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, then they glory in their shame, they're with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. God, we praise you for the work you've done this weekend. You are truly a God that does great things. You are truly the only God that is, that is worthy of our worship. You're the only thing that is worthy of our heart's affections. So God, as we, as we dive into your morning, this Lord, word this morning, Lord, change us, stir us, let it invade our hearts, let it make us uncomfortable so that we have to leave differently than what we came in like. God, make us more like you today than we were yesterday. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. I, this, is my, this, is my, this point is entitled, Our Individual Work is to Press On. Our Individual Work is to Press On. Verse 12, uh, Paul tells us, hey, he says, not that I've already obtained this, and it's referring back uh, to Philippians 3, 10, 11, where he's talking about resurrection from the dead. He's not saying, hey, I've already risen from the dead. It's not that he's obtained this or am already perfect. So it's not saying, hey, I've, I've got this whole life thing figured out. I've, I've obtained perfection. Paul said, hey, I, I still sin. I still mess up. Even after his conversion, he, he still has flaws. He's still not obtained perfection, holy, complete holiness. But he says, I press on because Christ Jesus had made me his own. He presses on to know Jesus more because Jesus has made him his own. He says, hey, I haven't, I'm not perfect. I haven't achieved resurrection of the dead. I haven't got it all figured out. But this is what I do know that I'm going to press on to know Jesus more today than I did yesterday. I'm going to strive to be more like him tomorrow than I am today. And it's because, not of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. It's because his work is finished. It's because he looks at me and sees a son of the king. He looks at you and sees a son or daughter of the king. He says, I press on to know Jesus because he's made me his own. He looks at you and he sees his 
child. And then verse 13 says, hey, I do not consider that I've made it my own. I don't consider that I've done this on my own. But one thing I do is that I forget what lies ahead and I strain forward. I forget what lies behind, right? Behind, not ahead, Austin. And strain forward to what lies ahead. I forget what lies behind and I strain forward to what lies ahead. Because here it is, like, we're going to mess up. We're going to sin. But what we can't allow to happen in our life is that we allow that shame and that guilt and that sin to keep us where we are. Because what shame and guilt, those are, those are tools of the enemy to keep us where we are. Those keep us from pursuing Jesus. Those keep us from straining towards what lies ahead. And what lies ahead? The goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. We press on and continue in our pursuit of Jesus so that we can continue to know him more and more. The prize is getting to know him fully in heaven one day in eternal glory with him. One day when he comes back for his people. One day if we have a relationship when we pass on from this life, that's when we will know the Father. That's when we will know Jesus fully. That is the goal, right? As Christians, is to get to where we are face to face with him. That's what we're in this process called sanctification. We're being made more like him. We're being made more holy each and every day. And that is the goal is to forget what lies behind, to forget all those golf tournaments, Matthew, that didn't mean anything in, in, in the grand scale of things and to press on to doing ministry together, to press on to make an impact for the kingdom of God, to press on to know Jesus more tomorrow than I do today. He says, 15 and 16, he said, let those, of, those of who are mature think in this way, and if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. But those of us who are mature think in this way. What way? But one is understanding that we, got, that we sin and that we mess up, that we're in desperate need of a Savior. But we can't continue to live in the shame and the guilt. And in that sin, we have to press on to be more like Jesus. Because in that shame and in that guilt, the enemy has you right where he wants you. We can't press on to know Jesus if we're, if we're constantly remembering what we've done in the past. We have to repent, which means to turn from our sin and to turn to Jesus. It's not enough. Repentance is not just turning from something to nothing. Repentance has to be that I'm turning from my sin to my Savior. Like it's, it's not that I'm turning from my sin to the world or turning from my sin to, to, to this or that. It's turning from my sin to Jesus. And so that's what it means that we have to forget what lies behind. Like if, if my life, if, what, if my past could deem what I could do in the future, then I would have no place in the pulpit. But by the grace of God, I'm able to stand before you today. We must forget what lies behind past sins, the shame, the guilt, and look to pursue Jesus. Matthew wasn't around for this golf tournament. This happened my senior year. I don't know if Matthew even knows this. I told the students this weekend uh, that I could mess up a golf tournament better than anybody in the world. And if you think you're better at messing up golf than me, you're not. I promise you. Matthew has seen it before. I've been on a par four, ten yards off the green and made a double bogey and made it look good. Right? It's bad. I mean, like, I can hit the ball a long ways, but my short game is bad. I'll be honest with you. It's just that simple, man. Can't outdrive me, but guess what? I'm not going to make that three-footer for par. You can just guarantee that. <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. And I had a bad attitude, too. I broke a lot of golf clubs, told the kids that. Broke a lot of golf clubs. I've broken more golf clubs than probably everybody in this room combined. 
right? There was one golf tournament, my senior's first golf tournament of the year in, in Andalusia, Matthew. And we were playing down there, and I was the two guy on the team. Zach was number one, of course, because that little joker could beat everybody. We got on first hole. I think I started on like 16 or 17. It was an 18-hole tournament. Par three. And boy, I was excited. First golf tournament of the year. Man, I stepped on that tee box. I saw these guys. Like, I'm finna beat the brakes off these guys, man. I'm finna dog walk them for 18 holes. And I snap hooked that tee shot 70 yards left of the green. Nice double bogey right there off the bat. Two over par, first hole. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get mad yet. I'm, I'm going to keep my cool. I'm going to keep my cool. I get up there on the next hole, and it's a par four. Hole, I should dominate. Hole is a drivable hole for me, Matthew. You know what I did? I snap hooked another one. Out of bounds. Made another double bogey. So I'm sitting there four over after two, and I'm steaming. I'm talking like I'm ready to throw my bag in the lake. Quit. Walk back to Thomasville. It's done. I am so mad right now. And then I don't know what came over me this day, and this didn't happen often. <laughs> I swear to goodness, it didn't happen. Normally, I just exploded at this point, and it went really bad. But I got on the next hole, and I was like, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And I went on for the next 16 holes, and I shot three under par, and I shot one over for the tournament and came in second. Never in my life has that ever happened to me. And I'll just say, this, this is the anomaly, okay? This is the anomaly. But in that particular golf tournament, I was able to forget what lies behind and press on to what laid ahead. And in our walk with Christ, we have to forget what lies behind and press on to what is ahead. We cannot be so focused on our sin that we miss grace. We miss Jesus. We have to keep pushing towards the goal, which is to simply just be more like Jesus. That is our individual work as Christians, is to press on to be more like him, press on to know him more. That's not to say that we just live in sin and forget about it. To press on is actually a call to repent and live not in your sin. It's a call out of our sin and into the grace that only Jesus Christ can offer on the cross because he has finished the work the Father sent him to do. And then in verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1, I think we see our collective work. We see our collective work. Verse 17, Paul says, Imitate me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. I think we can pull two things here. One, that Paul says, imitate me. So Paul has confidence in the life that he's living. He has confidence that he's, that he's living for Jesus, that he's pressing on. If anybody had a reason to press on, it was Paul. He murdered Christians. He persecuted the church. He's one that had definitely had to press on and leave what laid behind and pressed on for what lies ahead. Imitate me. And then it's also keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example. I think, students, that, that, that you guys need to have people in your life, and I, and I witnessed it. If there's things that make a youth ministry successful, and I've seen it, I learned it in seminary, it's adult leaders who are willing to invest in their students. And I've seen that this weekend from your church as adult leaders. They want to invest in these students. They want to have an impact on these students. Students, you need to keep your eyes on those people in this body of believers that are living out their faith. You need to ask those people to pour into. I have people in my life that I pour into me. I'm thankful that I'm serving a church that my mentor is at, that I can just walk across the hallway and be like, hey, Brother Ty, I need some help. Like, <laughs> I need you to tell me what I'm doing wrong. I need you, to, need you to pour into my life now. I used to have the calling, but now I just get to walk across the hallway, and it's incredible. Love it. We need people in our life that we can look to and imitate 
Students, you, you have people in your life, man. You've got an abundance of adults. You have an incredible youth pastor. You have incredible staff here at this church that you need to look to and imitate the way they live their life. Then verses 18 and 19 tell us that many people are walking as enemies of Christ. They're living for their fleshly passing passions. They love sin. Their minds are set on this world. Those are people who are living for the world and in their sin. They are pursuing worldly things over Jesus and are living as a result as enemies of the cross. When we begin to live of the world and live in our sin and pursue the world over Jesus, we become enemies of the cross. But then we get to verses 20 and 21 where Paul tells us that our world is not of this home. Our citizenship is in heaven. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious one. So here's the reality is that we should be so different from the world. We're aliens here. Our lives should look so different. It should be so set apart. Yeah, we're called to be in the world, and we are in the world, but we're not called to be of the world. Not called to be of it. Paul closes this section out with stand firm in the Lord. Many of this morning are standing firm from this weekend. We're standing firm on what he's done this weekend. Don't stop. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep fighting to meet with Jesus. Keep pressing on to know him more. Growing up, Matthew mentioned to somebody earlier, I'm an Auburn fan, and I am. Pray to goodness we win today, okay? I hope Jabari drops 50. I'm ready. Miami don't want it, in my opinion. But if we start losing, you best believe I'm going to quit watching because I don't like to lose. Or I'll just sit there and pout tonight, and my wife will be like, it's just the game. And I'm like, I know, but I still don't want to lose. I don't have any dog in the fight. I don't even go to Auburn. Never even spend any money there. But I still like them. It's still my, still my school, man. Going up, there was this fullback. His name was Heath Evans. Played for Auburn University. His number was 44. And for some reason, in Thomasville Pee Wee football, when I played, there was A teams and B teams, and it was fourth through sixth grade. And uh, you could be on the B team, you could be on the A team. And most of the time, you put all the fourth graders on the B team, and you put all the fifth and sixth graders on the A team. I was a big kid. Still a big guy now. They put me on the A-team in fourth grade. I was starting fullback, getting knocked out by sixth graders, talking just like clonking me. But I was a starting fullback for whatever reason. And I got to pick my jersey number. Heath Evans was the Auburn fullback at the time, and, and he was, his number was 44. And I was like, man, I've got to have number 44. I've got to be like Heath Evans. I've got to be like him. Got to have that number. And the reason I want to do that is because he was somebody that I looked up to. He was somebody that I wanted to imitate. We need people in our life that we have to want to imitate. Because here's the reality is that those that we look up to are going to influence us and affect us. Whether that's the celebrities of our world or the athletes, parents, adult leaders, youth pastors, pastors. Those whom we look up to are going to have an impact on our life. Make no mistake. Two men in my life have had a huge impact on me. One of them's my dad, and one of them's Brother Ty Parton. Those are the two men that I look up more to in this world than anybody else. I always say, if I can be half the pastor that Brother Ty is, and I can be half the man my father is, I've lived a faithful life. But 
it's easy for us to look up to the people of the world, right? It's easy for us to look to the athletes that, that we admire and that we want to be like in the major leagues. It's easy for us to look up to fullbacks at Auburn University when we're kids. That's where the church has to step in. That's where our collective work has to step in. Is that we need to be, as adults of the church, living lives our students can look up to. That's it. We need to be living lives that our students can look and say they're living faithfully for Jesus. Paul was able to write and say, imitate me, because his new, he knew his life matched up. Church, I believe our collective work must be to live lives these students can live up to, but I also believe an imperative part of that collective work is to invest in students. It's simple. Investment in students, because they have the world trying to invest in them. The enemy's trying to pull their hearts. The world's trying to grab their hearts. Sin is after their hearts. And we, as the adults in the church, have to be willing to step outside of our comfort zone sometimes and invest in these young people. And I'm not going to stand up here and act like I'm the wisest and the smartest guy in the room because I know I'm not. But this is what I do know. Is that a 17-year-old boy walked into Thomasville Baptist Church Lost, didn't know Jesus. But because of that church's priority and investment in young people, that young man's life was changed. His life was changed because of their investment in young people. I'm a product. (laughs) I stand before you today because of a church's willingness to say we're going to put young people first. And we're going to invest in them. We're going to disciple them. We're going to do whatever it takes to see them live out their faith. And I fully believe this, church, is that our individual work to press on will lead us to our collective effort to invest in young people. Like if we're truly pressing on to know Jesus more, if we're truly and genuinely living out our faith, it's going to lead us to a place where we want to invest in young people. Children, youth, you live in a college town, college students, Young adults who just have kids. All of it. These are the people that we have to be discipling and pouring into. But church, it's not about us. And it's not about Thomasville Baptist. It's not about Luke 4.18. It's about Jesus. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about discipling others. And investing in young believers. And teaching them how they can be like him, teaching them how they can press on in their faith amidst the world that's trying to pull it apart.